Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and hope you're enjoying your weekend. Their slogan is never underestimate you. Later we'll be hearing from the Associate Vice President of the Kentucky Community and Technical College System about their offerings and success stories. But first, Lexington will have a new county attorney sooner than expected. Longtime county attorney Larry Roberts is stepping down early that will clear the path for Angela Evans to be sworn in on September 30th. Evans defeated Roberts in the May Democratic primary. There is no Republican candidate. Evans will begin her tenure in Lexington as the city is dealing with a wave of gun violence and she has promised an equitable and transparent approach to enforcing the law. Soon to be County Attorney Angela Evans joining us today and we welcome you. Thanks for coming. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, first, congratulations on your victory uh, in, in May in the primary. Uh, were you surprised by the margin by which you were elected? I, I, I was. You know, I, I know I got good reception when I was going door to door, but I don't think anyone, at least I certainly don't have the ego to expect a margin, a win margin like that, especially uh, against someone who is well known and uh, plenty of people, you know, uh, know him and, and have been uh, supporters of him throughout the, the year. So, no, the margin was, was unexpected. And what does it say to you and what responsibility do you feel because the people have put so much confidence in you? Yeah, it's a huge amount of responsibility. First of all, I'm, I'm just very grateful and, and humbled that people really heard my message and understood it and believed that, uh, what I believe, that, you know, there's, there's time for change. And you know, there people wanted transparency. You know, they wanted a new way of thinking, and and that's what I think. That's why it was such a well-received uh, uh, you know message because that's what people want. We're in a new era of just how people view government in general, and and that's what I want to do. That was the message I was bringing. Were you surprised to learn that you will be assuming office early? Um, not, we had talked about it. You know, Mr. Roberts and I um, did have communications. You know, we met. So, you know, that was something that, that uh, he'd mentioned. And, you know, I certainly wasn't going to push that. But um, I know we were holding it close to the vest for a while. You know, it wasn't uh, common knowledge. But, but we've been working uh, together for a smooth transition. And he's been very gracious in that. So, um, so I think I've learned a little bit, still a lot more to learn about the office, but um, you know, it's, we're, we're ready. I've got a transition team that's getting together and we'll, we'll be ready. Well, is it an, an advantage or a challenge or both uh, to be <laughs> assuming office a couple of months early? I, I mean, it will give you an opportunity to do some hiring at a time when uh, some graduates are becoming available, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, well, I'd say it's probably a little bit of both. Uh, you know, it, it was gracious for, for him to to uh, retire, I won't say resign, but um, so I can have a little more time to learn the office and you know, just the fundamentals, because that, that will be helpful in uh, s establishing how I want to implement you know, what my administration would be. So, so that's the plus side, but you know, I also have to remember, you know, we're, we're still in campaign mode. Um, it's not official until November, and so I still need people to understand that, you know, I'm, they still need to vote for me. My name is on the ballot. Uh, Ten days before, you know, an election, someone can write in. So, uh, so we're still in campaign mode. So I, it kind of confuses people. But, uh, but no, I mean, it's it's certainly you know uh, more of a pro than a con uh, to come in and meet the staff and uh, you know, kind of see how I can start 
uh, implementing my agenda, you know, but have time to really yeah. think it through. Uh, to be clear, a write-in is the only uh, way that someone could uh, potentially uh, defeat you on the November ballot. Correct. Right. All right. Correct. Uh, let's talk some issues. You are entering the office at a time when gun violence has been rampant in Lexington. I know yeah. it's disturbing to you as a as a public official in the past and 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 future. Uh, many cases are unsolved because police simply don't have enough information. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your observations about uh, this issue of shootings and 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 how the community overall can respond and how your office might be helpful. Yeah, well, you know, I, I understand the, the concern and, and I think it's more of a concern now because it's happening across the city. You know, it isn't just one place anymore um, or a couple of locations. And I know that's what's really heightened people's fear. But, uh, you know, I know police are working to do, uh, you know, try and find out. and But, you know, we need to try and figure out, you know, look at the who the victims are and maybe you know, see if there's a way we can um, really think in more of a preventive mode perhaps. You know, I, I haven't talked with the chief on these you know, specifically, but um, you know, maybe there are some ways that we can maybe prevent some if we know it's, if it's a group of people or you know, families that have you know, their, their issues with each other. You know. But um, you know, it is an, an issue of concern, but I know Police are concerned just as much as anyone else is, and you know, the the mayor and her her staff are concerned, and council members are. So it's really we need to put our heads together to to really think of a, a different way to approach this. Another challenge for the city is is a shortage of manpower right now on the the police department. We know there is a shortage of dispatchers to take the E nine one one calls and the corrections officers uh, at, the, uh, at the at the jail in Fayette mm -hmm. County, the detention center. Uh, that is an ongoing issue uh, that I know has gotten your attention. Oh, absolutely, and and it kind of goes into what my, my campaign was about. You know, it's a new era for everyone, so that means we need to do think of different ways to do it. You know, whether it's um, using electronic electronic monitoring more, or um, you know, to to reduce the jail population, or whether it's you know getting people more social services so they stay out of uh, the system to begin with, and then really looking at different populations of professions to try and encourage them to maybe seek one of these professions. I remember when I was uh, a social work major in Atlanta, the, the Miami-Dade Police Department was at a, a career fair and they really tried to encourage me to apply. And I just said, look, I'm the wrong person. But but they understood that we need people with, with those skills, those, you know, not the soft skills, but just understanding people and being able to truly de-escalate, and that's part of, you know, personality as opposed to, you know, just a law enforcement just come in after the fact, but, um, and you know, try and de-escalate. Would it be your goal to put fewer people in jail, and do you think that in a way that could create a safer community? Well, I mean, I think... As some are saying, you know, they're calling for higher bonds for the suspects who have been arrested in right. some of these cases. Well, I, and let's, I, I think we're, we need to take it from a social issue. Like, why are people going to jail in the first place? We've, you know, we've got a, dr a high, um, you know, drug abuse problem. You know, we've got, you know, um, you know, violence in families. You know, what are the root causes for why people end up in the system? And I think we are 
We're now seeing that we can't throw money at a jail or, you know, even at, you know, law enforcement. You know, we need to start looking at the root problem to prevent this crisis that we now find ourselves in. So that's kind of the, the creative part that I'm looking at in a new era of, of criminal justice and doing things differently. So it sounds like you are pledging that your office will be involved in, in, in trying to be a solution to some of these community issues that are out there and bubbling. Absolutely, absolutely. Because, I mean, I think any prosecutor uh, across the state, will, across the country, will tell you that, you know, this people in court, it's a byproduct of what's going on in their lives as people, you know, what their family history was or what their, what their personal issues were. Um, you know, people don't just wake up to and decide to abuse drugs. You know, that, that's masking other things that have gone on. So yes, we all need to be a part of that and find other ways to, to address those solutions. You know, we're, we don't want people committing crimes and giving them an excuse, oh, because you've got, you know, these problems that plenty of other people do, you know, it doesn't send them into a criminal behavior. But I mean, with the crisis that we're having right now, we really need to look at other ways to address what brings people into the um, court system and, you know, the uh, incarceration system. Because again, we can't just house everyone and we can't just keep everybody in jail. So we really need to start looking at some of these root causes and shifting our focus to that. You had indicated that you would largely decriminalize small amounts of marijuana possession uh, mm -hmm. once you entered office. Uh, your predecessor said he didn't have much of an appetite for uh, convicting in a lot of those kinds of cases. But will that be your policy starting September 30th? Well, I, you know, I'm going to take my time uh, to create policies, and that's why um, I'm, I'm grateful for the, the three months you know, that uh, Mr. Roberts is giving me to, to learn more about the office itself, um, because that's part of what my transition team is doing, to learn how the office operates, to see how my policies can fit in with the actual operation of the office. Because um, I'm not one to think that I can come in and just change everything and it, it's going to be right. You know, I'm way too methodical for that. So, um, you know, there are some things that I want to implement, but I also want to know what is the effect of, or what could be the effect of implementing them. So, yeah, there are some things that I, I would like to do, um, but also want to know how that will impact not just the office, but the city as well. You know, um, so so I'm going to take my time and let my my transition team ask questions and get information from from people in the office, and then um, you know roll out a more a, a thoughtful and um, hopefully as thorough as we can be. Um, policy and plan for my administration. You know, it, it, it's difficult for the public sometimes to grasp how comprehensive the duties are of the county attorney. There are so many areas of responsibility right. from, you know, the traffic to the to the, uh, to the more minor crimes out there, right. to juvenile court and so mm -hmm. forth. In the juvenile court area, do you see uh, your position as a place where you can uh, maybe disrupt some of the bad outcomes that are happening in a young person's life and uh, and, and get them uh, on a better path. I mean, I think everyone in, in the courtroom 
you know, should be thinking that way. And, and that's why, you know, we, we do have some district court judges that, that started something new for, you know, specifically in juveniles. So I'm, I'm eager to, to talk to them and see, you know, how it's working and, you know, how we can do better. You know, um, and, and again, there's still, there's still crime that's going to be committed, uh, you know, committed, and I still have to, you know, that's part of my job is, you know, um, enforcing crime. So, you know, just finding out how that looks from the prosecutor perspective. Um, perhaps not the leader, but certainly perhaps not being a hindrance to um, programs that are, that uh, might be available to juveniles or adults for that matter. Sometimes the county attorney is the one who stands up for for you know an underage or vulnerable person, an mm -hmm. elderly person or a young person. Right. Will that be uh, an important part of your uh, office duties? Well, yeah, that, that's part of the the court system as it now with, with our um, mental health courts and um, you know adult custody, you know, and guardian and items and all of that. That. Uh, yeah, we want to make sure that people aren't taking, aren't being taken advantage of, and you know, people who do, who are seeking custody over a loved one, truly are there for their their best interest and their, um, you know, and for their benefit. Because there, we have an aging population, we have a population, you know, with um, mental, you know, disabilities that uh, can't perhaps do all of you know what's necessary to to, to care for themselves, but. Uh, we want to make sure that, again, people aren't take, being taken advantage of because we see, again, that can lead to crime as well. So, so yes, that's going to be, and I mean, it's one, just a regular part of the office, but to make sure that we're doing the best that we can um, to make that an easy transition for people and help, you know, the person who is, um, you know, the center of, of that case understand and and be okay with with what's going on, but you know, there again, there's a role for everyone in that. Um, but yes, we want to certainly make sure that we're there to protect, you know, the public as well as um, you know, discipline in yeah. the criminal system. Addiction, overdoses, uh, a continuing issue in the community and mm -hmm. certainly statewide. Uh, how will you approach trying to get that under control? Well, I, I would. I would put that more over to my, my uh, city council days that, um, you know, again, I think you, you still have to prosecute um, when crimes come, but we do have, um, you know, programs that are in place. You know, the health department has the needle exchange that, you know, I was a part of council when, when we uh, implemented that. So I think it's, sometimes it's just being, again, a support for programs, a supporter of programs and, um, you know, letting them know, letting the, the public know that this can be a way to help. Because I know we, and it's our, our human nature to, to be in a punishing mindset, but sometimes there are programs that um, can perhaps help alleviate and, and solve some of the problems. But, uh, but yeah, so I think part of my job and my role is to be a support for other programs that are going on. You'll be ready to go September 30th? I will be. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Angela Evans, uh, uh, the incoming Fayette County Attorney, thank you for coming by. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. Stay with us now. We'll be back in just a moment and we'll hear from KCTCS. They think they can be the solution to Kentucky's workforce. 
We welcome you back to Kentucky Newsmakers. The workforce challenges in Kentucky are obvious with thousands of unfilled jobs. In many cases, it's because applicants are not qualified for the jobs that are coming open now and in the future. The Kentucky Community and Technical College System, or KCTCS, is observing Workforce Development Month by letting Kentuckians know what they offer. The system has 16 colleges, more than 70 campuses statewide. And joining us is Aaron Tipton, the Associate Vice President at Bluegrass Community and Technical College. Thank you for coming in. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, we all hear that, you know, the, the numbers are that there are two job openings for every available applicant out there right now. Companies are very desperate to fill positions. Uh, how tough is it right now to match skilled employees with the jobs that are available? Well, if, if employees have or individuals have the skills, it's, it's not a hard match um, because that's what our employers need, whether whatever industry sector it might be. So it's getting, it's the, the, I think the issue is getting people to get into programs, whether they be short-term credentials or two-year degrees, so they do have the skills to be successful in the workplace. Uh, tell us about KCTS's statewide scope, the, the offerings you have, and, and what difference it can make to have that certification or degree uh, when somebody uh, goes out to, uh, on the market. Sure. So, you know, we have, as you said earlier, we have uh, 16 community colleges that make up our system and 70 campus locations, so all are within al almost a 30-minute drive or less of most Kentuckians. And so, in terms of access, um, there's uh, many opportunities. We're actually increasing some of the um, enrollments, the, the capacities in our program. So in order to, to respond to the, the demands, um, we're increasing in programs such as nursing, our ADN to RN program, our automotive program, HVAC, um, and also we're working with companies specifically through our trains funding, which is funding that we can utilize and companies can utilize to train their current workforce. So that's another component to workforce development is how companies are investing in their current workforce to stay current with the latest technologies. So there is that mm -hmm. ongoing discussion between companies and, and, and the college system uh, to, to try to figure out uh, what the needs are. Absolutely, and that's part of the unit that I uh, lead is our workforce solutions unit. And with that, um, through, again, through our trains funding, we can um, meet with a company, listen to what their needs are. Maybe it's a changing technology. Uh, maybe it's a group of employees who um, need to upskill in a particular area as their company evolves and as the technology evolves. And so um, by customizing something specific to those comp that company's needs, um, it, it also impacts the, the availability of individuals who are staying current with technology. And when students or, you know, workers who are in the workforce are sent for this additional training or additional mm -hmm. certification, do they usually embrace that? I think they do. Sometimes there may be a little reluctance when there's a new technology coming in, um, but I think um, once they get into the classroom, whether we offer the training on-site at the company's location or at one of our campus locations in Central Kentucky, I think by you know getting involved, they see that they can do it and um, it's possible for them. What about people who want to return, maybe for a career change? Uh, they're looking for a new direction, uh, you know, and and they've decided they're going to go back. They obviously oftentimes are nervous as well about uh, uh, stepping onto a campus. Absolutely, and so part of our mission is to meet students where they are, whether that's an adult 
um, who's been out in the workforce for 20 years or more, or um, an individual who has been, um, is coming right out of high school, or maybe it's someone who wants to pivot and, and work in a new industry sector. COVID has, has brought forth many of those, many individuals who want to change industry sectors. So, you know, part of what we do and we do well at BCTC and all of our KCTCS colleges is we meet students where they are. So we have additional wraparound supports um, where we can really work with the student to see what type of barriers they might have, uh, whether it be transportation, whether it be something um, academic related because they may have been out of school for several years. Um, so it's a, it's a big part of what we do and um, we, we welcome people where they are. When you see they have potential, you want them to succeed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, what are the kinds of things that, that do you do to, to make sure that that happens so the, the, from the professors down? Sure. So um, our class sizes, um, first of all, I'd say the advantages our class sizes are small. So um, our students are able to receive individual attention, communication. Um, the support services that we have are, are fabulous, as, uh, our tutoring services, um, services that can help students understand um, the subject matter. We have implemented something called peer tutoring where we have um, peers, other students that have gone through those particular subjects and um, able to infuse that into the classroom as well. So um, holistic approach. Um, also too, you know, we know that our students have other barriers in addition to academic, um, potentially academic barriers. Um, and so helping students with things like transportation, um, some of our students are um, housing insecure, and so we have services to promote that, um, counseling, um, and, and others. Uh, Do you count it as a success when a student uh, comes to campus reluctantly or at least scared and hoping they can get some kind of certification and begin to become successful and realize that this is a path they want to be on and maybe they end up going to a, a higher degree right. than they anticipated. That's probably the best um, thing or feeling that we get when we see that student where they've had that moment where they realize they can do it. And it is rewarding to see, um, you know, a lot of the credentials that we have are what we call stackable. So a student may come to us uh, wanting a short-term certificate, but once they see they can do something and they're successful in earning that short-term credential, you're right, they do go on. They go on to earn more credentials more certificates and those certificates are often embedded in some of our associate degree programs um, and from there we see many of our students transfer to our four-year universities. I mean uh, sometimes they, they will set goals that they didn't even have when they got there. Absolutely. What do you say to those who uh, say that you know schooling and training takes time uh, certainly there is expense uh, and you know those are some of the other barriers uh, sure. that are out there. Uh, what is it that they will get from uh, having that uh, degree or credential? Well, a couple of things. Um, first, I would say that um, it's possible for anybody who wants to do it. Um, there is funding available for individuals that have never pursued uh, or don't have a college de degree through our Kentucky Work Ready Scholarship. So to eliminate that barrier, uh, that scholarship is there and it is geared towards individuals and program for individuals who want to access programs who that are um, high wage, 
high demand. And so when we can help individuals obtain those credentials, then what we know is it means a higher quality of life for themselves and or their family. So um, having that livable, above livable wage, right, where they can earn a good living for themselves and their family, improving their quality of life. And what do you say to employers out there <laughs> who, you know, are just desperate? They have the, the notices uh, hanging on their own hallways about, you know, for people yeah. internally and maybe trying to offer uh, incentives for their own employees to go out and help recruit people. And, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, they have a lot of trouble finding people right now. Are you a resource for that as well? We absolutely are. And what I would say, a couple of things. One is um, to access their local community college, right? And, and BCTC serves our 16 county area in Central Kentucky, and we have multiple campus locations. So I would encourage employers to reach out to us so that we can help them. We can customize solutions specific to their needs, whether it be technical, skill training, it could be what we call essential skills training, maybe it's something in the area of supervisory, leadership, communication, teamwork, whatever it might be. Um, and then um, I would also say that the successful organizations that we're working with um, are the ones that are making direct investment in their employees. So those that are actually um, just, uh, they, they're taking ownership that in order to have a skilled workforce, they need to promote retention of their current workforce and so providing some level investment. So for example, we have companies who are sending apprentices to us, their current workers, so they can receive the credential, the two-year technical training that they need. Um, another example is the customized training that I was telling you about. Um, <clears throat> we see groups of people benefiting from upskilling their skills and and directly contributing back to their employer. If people want to contact you, uh, how do they do that? They can contact us by calling the Workforce Solutions Office um, at 859-246-6888 or they can go directly to the BCTC Workforce Solutions website. And there's a lot on there. I, I was there is a lot. going through it and you, you do a lot of things. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate you coming by. Thank you. And, Appreciate uh, it. And uh, happy Workforce Development Month, right? Is that yes. <laughs> right. yes. Stay with us now. We'll be back and wrap up Kentucky Newsmakers in a moment. And welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll start to have more political candidates. Now we're closing in on six weeks before the November election, so uh, time is uh, certainly flying toward that. We do want to thank you for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. Remind you that we'll have the latest news throughout the week on WKYT and WKYT.com, and hope you make it a good week ahead.